the goodness of the Lord. God bless you, brother. It's much easier. And what can we say? God is an awesome God. As long as he rules from heaven above. He loved us so that he gave his only son. Our purpose is to share the good news with others about the awesome Son of God and what he has done for us. Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 17. And there are several verses that we'll... uh, address that we will uh, emphasize in the sermon message today and I'm reading from the NSB version of the Bible and we're going to read verses 6, 11, 17 and 20 through 24 of John 17. That's 6, 11, 17 and 20 through 24. Beginning with verse 6, we find this particular recording. I have revealed your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have followed your word. I have revealed your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have followed your word. I needed to read that twice. Verse 11. I am no longer going to be in the world. And yet they themselves are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you gave, the name which you have given me, so that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 17 Sanctify them. In the truth, verse 20 through 24, I am not asking on the behalf of these alone, but also for those who believe in me through that word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may that they also may be in us so the world may believe that you sent me the glory which you have given me i also have given to them so that they may be one just as we are one i in them and you in me that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and you loved them just as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also 
whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Our message today is entitled, Jesus Prays for Us. And while we read several verses, uh, we will emphasize the fact that Jesus prayed for himself, he prayed for his, his disciples, and he prayed for us. Now, let's talk for just a moment uh, if you if you reflect back, regardless of your age, you've been praying for a long time. Prayer is something that has been a, a part of your life, our lives, since our early childhood days. Remember, I remember the first one. Now lay me down to sleep. You remember that? After a certain age... Our parents taught us to move on to what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is more accurately a model prayer. You remember that? The Bible is filled with prayers, famous prayers. If you take a look at Genesis 18, for instance, you'll find the famous prayer of Abraham. If you go to uh, the book of First Kings, chapter 8, you'll find Solomon's prayer. If you go to Exodus, chapter 12, you'll find a prayer of Moses. The Bible is full of prayers. And yet today we focus on one that has major, major implications for the life of the Christian believer, and that's the prayer of Jesus in chapter 17. Now, if you if you start with the first verse and and just and I would encourage you uh, at your uh, own time to read that chapter for today. If you start with verse one, you'll note that Jesus, as he is walking, Scripture says he lifted his eyes and prayed. Now, I find that interesting because uh, many of us, many of us, will traditionally think that we need to bow our heads and get on our knees to pray. Jesus prayed as he was walking. He lifted his eyes to heaven. He prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. He prays for us. And so John Phillips teaches us that we need to look at the specific aspects of prayer, not the traditional positions of prayer. And as far as these essential aspects of, of prayer is concerned, Again, we'll talk to you about Jesus praying for himself, his disciples, and for us. In verses 1 through 5, Jesus prays for himself. We're not going to say much about that. We will move on to other components. But in verses 1 through 5, he prays to his Father. He prays for the presence of his Father. He prays for the prayer of his Father. He prays the purpose of of his father all in verses 1 through 5 and then and then Jesus moves from that to pray for his disciples in verses 11 through 19 
of John 17. And when he prays for his disciples, first, his first request was threefold. He prays for his disciples, and his first request regarding these men is threefold. Note, for instance, verses 11 through 16, Jesus requests that, that, that in his prayer he requests to keep them in the Father's name. The words, keep them in your name. Now, this is, this is interesting because Jesus is going to talk about his separation from the disciples. And then he's going to make a request regarding these disciples and he will talk about the satisfaction that he has enjoyed in his ministry with these disciples. Let's look at this, this separation. As you read, as you read the verse, remember beginning with verse 11, as you read the verse, you'll note that Jesus already is in the mindset of being gone from the world. And, and not only that, he, he, his detachment brings up his thought process and he remembers, he knows. By the way, I need to share with you that Jesus is omniscient. He, he, he knows everything. Nothing is hidden from him. Uh, All-knowing is, is, is John Phillips' description. And, 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 and because of this, he asks, he prays specifically for his disciples because he knows the same world that turned against him is going to turn on those disciples as well. You, you, as, as Christians, we need to understand the fact that, that, that the world is our enemy. That, that's, that's not our friend. Now, now you, there are some things, I don't know about you, but I'll confess there are some things of the world that, that, that I have to watch myself with. I'm, I'm a football fan. I'm an OU football fan. And so I have to be careful because if OU played on Sunday, I'd have to tell the coaching staff, try to move it to 1 o'clock. I can get there by one. Uh, if you make it 1130, I... <laughs> Jesus knows the world is going to be an influence with these 12 disciples. He prays for them and, and, and because of his separation from them. But Jesus also prays he makes a request. Since he is going to be separated, he asks the Father to keep them, not only keep them, but he asks for physical protection from them. And in keeping them, note that he says, keep them also in my joy. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but there's, there's joy just being in the house of God. There's joy just seeing folk 
worship and praise the Lord. If you and 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 some of you may not know this about me, but you, my habit, Vanessa and I, we we and by the way, Vanessa loves me so, and we've been together for so long. Whatever Cooper does, that's what Vanessa's gonna do. So when when. When when service is over, I, I don't linger around. I, I have I'm blessed to be here. I'm blessed by the word of the Lord. When service is over, I leave with that blessing. I don't I don't want to hear anything. It's not that I don't care about you. That's not me. I just don't want to hear anything that takes away that joy that I already have. So I go on. God said, I don't love you. That's not it. I, I, at my age, it's, it's important for me to stay with that joy that the Lord blessed me with through his word. So Jesus speaks of that satisfaction. And, and I, I want you to, to note that uh, in, in that satisfaction, turn with us to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 2. Let's look at that verse. Hebrews 12, 2. And, and, and note the passage. Again, that's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, where Jesus is talking about the joy, the satisfaction. Looking only, Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking only at Jesus, the originator and the perfecter, of the faith, who for the love, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's the joy. There's the joy. Jesus wanted that joy that filled him to also fill our souls, and he wanted it to spill over into our souls. So that that joy could make could be made use, useful in our Christian lives. In this prayer for his disciples, Jesus also said, "Keep them away from the evil one. Keep them away from the evil one. He is about to be separated himself." He prays for the disciples that they stay away from the adversary. The world is antagonistic to the Christian race. The world is antagonistic. And if you look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, uh, let me pause for a second again. 1 John chapter 2, Verse 15, note, note what John says regarding this separation from the adversary. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, 
if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So Jesus says, keep them away from the evil one, the adversary. Uh, uh, the, the, the word of God, it is the Father's word that determines the world's attitude toward believers. When I was in undergraduate school uh, years ago at the Baptist Student Union, we watched a movie one day, and it, 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 it showed the devil, and he was dressed up in devil suit, had a tail and a pitchfork and dressed in red, et cetera, et cetera. And, and in the movie, uh, the question was asked of him, uh, why, why aren't you messing with that group of people over there? And in the movie, the devil's response was, because I already have them. He says, the one I'm after are those who try to love God. He's enemy to the world. Christ's prayer is keep these men away from them, and we should understand the your position in the word of God is important in the world. You ought to know the word of God. That's what I'm saying. You ought to know the word of God. Jesus did not pray to God to remove his disciples from the world. He did not pray to remove them from the world. His prayer is to keep them in their place of duty and away from the evil one. Place of duty. Our role. Our role. Our role is to share the message of Jesus. To witness. To pray with others. To love others. To help others. He did not pray that we would be removed from the world but he prays that the placement in the world would be to avoid this connection, if I may say, with the evil one. And yet, association might perhaps be a better word, to avoid that association and yet live up to an apostolic mission. We'll say more about that in just a second. So Jesus prays for his disciples. Prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. And then, and then we want to point out to you as well that, that Jesus had a second request as he's praying for his disciples. He asks, Father, sanctify them. Sanctify them. To sanctify means to set apart for God's special purpose, for his pleasure. It implies holiness. It implies being set apart from the corruption of the world. Sanctify, as in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. Again, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. By this will, by God's will, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, by this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. 
once for all time. Hebrews 10.10, sanctify them, separate them. God's truth was the separation factor. What God has to say about everything is absolutely, completely, and vitally true. Everything. The purpose of God's truth is to produce holiness. Sanctify them, Jesus prays, as he's praying for his disciples, so that they may be holy. Now let's talk, and we'll spend much more time here. Let's talk about the fact that Jesus prays for all believers. He prays for us. I don't know about you, but I need prayer every day. When Pastor uh, talked with me last week, he he stated that I, I know you're going through some things now, and uh, I, I I I want you to tell me if you if you think you can do this. And I, I shared with him, you know what, Pastor, I I was called to preach and. Uh, yeah, I'm going through some stuff now, but uh, the song helped me this morning. He reigns. He reigns. So, yeah, you're going through some stuff, but but you'll be all right. He he still reigns. And so I said, Pastor, I don't, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. And 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 he he even mentioned Vanessa and the fact that Vanessa could be called any day and time now for the kidney surgery. That's happened once. We're expecting a second time. And I said, but you know what, Pastor? We we love each other enough, and she 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 knows if you say preach, I'm, I'm going to go preach, and I'm going to get to the hospital when I can, but I'm going to preach first. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do first, and then, then I'll go take care of that. I trust God to take care of all that. So, so he prays for us, and, and let's look at verse 20. Start there. He shows in verse 20 uh, where he, Jesus, that is, he broadens his prayer and his vision to include the apostolic mission. Let's talk about that, that apostolic mission. Uh, first of all, the church is not mentioned by name in John's gospel. The church is not mentioned. However, by the time John wrote this gospel passage, the church had already become a force to be reckoned with within the world. And 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 and, and not only that, the, the apostolic mission was to be the instrument of the Holy Spirit. That needs to be stated again. The apostolic mission was to be the instrument of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit would bring into being a new divine entity called the church. The Holy Spirit would bring into being a new divine entity called the church. The church would win souls. The church would build up believers. The church would pass on Christ's teaching. And it was the church 
responsible for the writing of the New Testament. Through his all-seeing eyes, Jesus Christ saw what these first Christians would do through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he prayed for them. He saw us. He prayed for us. You remember, he sees everything. Nothing, nothing slips up on him haphazardly about him. That's just impossible. That will never happen. And, and, and so as he prays for us, he prays, look at verse 21, for oneness. Now, at age 70 and having pastored for so many years, I can tell you, I am proud of Pastor Wilson and his work in establishing oneness in Everlasting Life Baptist Church. There is oneness here. Now, that's not to say that it, in that oneness there's not some people on the outside trying to break that oneness down. You have to be aware of that. But Jesus prayed and it has been established oneness in the body of believers. And, and, and when he prays for this oneness, actually we, we need, to, we need to, to, to make mention of the fact that he prays for a mystical oneness and he also prays for a manifest oneness. Let me tell you what we're talking about there when we use those terms. Mystical oneness and manifest oneness. Now, now, now let's begin by saying uh, many of the churches that we know today, and, and, and there's tons of them, if we just go by, by denomination, there's the, the Baptist church, there's the Methodist church, there's the Pentecostal church. You remember that old term, the holiness church? There, there's the Congregationalist, there's the Catholic, there's the Mormon. Uh, 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 that all sets up, that statement all sets up what we're about to say here next, and that is many of these churches started as a result of a spiritual revival. And that's a good thing. However, others were started as a result of differences in leadership and doctrine. Leadership and doctrine. I am proud, I am proud, very proud, to be associated with this church because of its leadership and doctrine. But we need to beware. We need to beware of some things. There are those out there. Remember, we're, we're supposed to be witnessing to those out there. There are those who will want to know, are you a pre- or post-millennialist? Are you a fundamentalist or are you a liberal? Where do you stand when it comes down to doctrine and issues. And so, so, so Jesus is praying for us and this oneness. Jesus was not suggesting that we compromise. Don't ever believe that. 
The church stands on words on God's word. There is no compromise. It's God's word. It's not what you think. You don't, you don't go into the conversation where you know I think this is what God. No, no, no. You read the Bible. And, and first of all, and, 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 and uh, Brother Kolak said it this morning in Sunday school class. I was glad. He said, first of all, you need to pray about everything. Bible, you need to pray first. And, and when you finish reading your Bible, you need to pray again. And you read your Bible every day. That means every day before you read, you pray. So, so I, I know you got two prayers in your daily life. You pray before you read it. You pray after you read it. It's not suggesting a compromise when Jesus says make them one. Uh, let's go to Psalms 139. And let's look at verses 1 through 4. If you have this one committed to memory, I'm quite sure. Psalms 139, verses 1 through 4. And keep in mind, we're talking about the fact that Jesus is omniscient. Psalms 139, verses 1 through 4, reads in this fashion. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I get up. You understand my thought from far away. You, you scrutinize my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word in on my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it. So the psalmist is saying, you already know all about me, Lord. You know my words, you know my thoughts. Even when I think I'm away from you and I, 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 I can have a secret thought, you already know that too. You've got to remember, Christ knows all things and knows them before you do. So, so for this mystical oneness, what, what he's actually what he's actually praying about, and, 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 and we want you to look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27. We won't read that, but you, you, you can go there in your own time. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, he talks about this mystical oneness. Uh, and, 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 and this oneness has already been uh, achieved. It's already... Uh, that prayer request has already been answered uh, uh, because the mystical church is wholly, completely, and indivisibly one. And it was one, it was established as one as far back as the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The mystical church, the mystical body of Christ, where the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is baptizing believers into one body. We're one. We're different cultures, but we're one. We're male, female, but we're still one. That oneness is brought about 
by the sacrifice of Jesus for us. Now, 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 we should also point out that uh, there is no schism or division in the mystical body of Christ. It is the head and we are the members. Pastor Wilson will tell you, while he is the head of Everlasting Life Baptist Church, he's really the second guy. The first guy is the Lord Jesus himself. Pastor, I don't have no, no, no troubles with that. I, I don't know of a single preacher called by the Lord who has trouble with that. That's the mystical body of Christ. I want you to turn with me yet again to another scripture and, 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 and we, we look at them because I, I want you to see that God's word has application to us and our everyday lives. You just don't take your Bible and put it on the shelf and then on Sunday pick it up and come to church. God's word has application to our everyday lives. So when we talk about this mystical church, uh, and uh, we also need to make mention of what John Phillips and others call the universal church. Go to Ephesians chapter 22. I got a mistake in my notes here, so you can see I make mistakes. It's not chapter 22, it's verses 22 and 23. I'll read it to you and you can find out where it is later. How about that? <laughs> Remember, you're going to pray before you study your Bible, right? <laughs> and he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all all the scripture is saying is that Christ is the head of the church deacons have their place pastors have their place officers have their place missionaries have their place Christ is the head of the church He talks about that, that mystical oneness, but he also talks about a manifest oneness. And when he talks about this manifest oneness, our Lord Jesus is talking and praying for the church, universal church, but note this. Manifest oneness refers to the local church, which is the local church, which is any body of believers who love the Lord, are saved by his grace, and seek to walk in God's word. Any body of believers. Note, note the absence of the denominational tie. And I'm, I'm not an anti-denominational guy. I'm saying to you, Everlasting Life Baptist Church 
is a church who believes. It's a church who believes and loves the Lord. It is saved by His grace. It seeks to walk in God's Word. That's the church. That's the manifest oneness of the church. And if you look at those verses, remember verses 11, 19, note that Jesus is saying, as he prays for the church, he wants this oneness. He's praying for this oneness so that people outside Everlasting Life Baptist Church, when they see us, they see God in us. They see us working together and praying for one another. They see us reaching out to minister to others. And then they are convinced this is God's way. That oneness. Not political oneness. You can, you can vote for whoever you want to vote for. Manifest and mystical oneness. So that the world out there may see Christ in us. Jesus prays that the church would be marked by his glory. Verse 22. Jesus prays that the church would be marked by his glory. He says that the glory of his the glory of his perfect and sinless humanity should be seen, known, and heard in us. Christ has now passed the torch in verse 22. He's passed the church, the torch on to the church. He has passed the torch on to us. He made himself available to the Father. We must make ourselves available to Christ. The measure in which we, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, make ourselves available to Christ is valuable. The measure in which you, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, make yourself available to Christ is invaluable. There's a scripture. There's a scripture. If you go with us to... If you go with us to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 let's look at verse 51 and 52 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 51 and 52 it reads behold I am telling you a mystery we make ourselves available to him we make ourselves available to him Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Make yourself available to Christ and you will be transformed. Make yourself available to Christ and you will be 
transformed. Draw nigh to him, Paul writes, and he will draw nigh to you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Make yourself available to Jesus Christ. And then, finally, in verses 23 and 24, Jesus prays for the unity, the unity that is founded in love. This is important for the church, that unity found in love. This is what the world is waiting to see. The world is waiting to see divine love in action. Divine love in action. One of the most distinguishing characteristics, one of the most distinguishing things about Jesus was his love for the father, for the family, for friends, for followers, and even foes. The distinguishing characteristic about Jesus was his love for his father, for all of us, his followers for his friends, and yet Jesus even loved his enemies. Think about that now. Jesus loved his life on earth, and he bathed himself in his Father's love. So we too need to bathe ourselves in the love of Christ. John 17, chapter 23 I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and you loved me, loved, that you sent them and you loved them just as you have loved me. John chapter 17, verse 23. There's a Greek word here. The Greek word is noko, which means when we talk about knowing the Father, it means you've had an experience with Him so that you are aware of His power, His love, His faithfulness. You've experienced that. The desire of Christ is for us to be where he is. The desire of Christ is for us to be where he is. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and we are almost finished here. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it reads, God, after he spoke long ago to the Father's in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. And he, he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. In simple terms, 
Jesus's desire, the desire of Jesus, is that we see his glory in the heavenly realm. We see his glory in the heavenly realm and that we are aware as we see him of his love, his power, his presence. Three things, three things I want to leave you with regarding John 17 and the prayer that Jesus has for us. Three things. You can take this with you to school. You can take this with you to work. Three things. We are all in the same boat together. We're all in the same boat together. My experiences may be different from yours, but you're experiencing something. My negatives may be greater than yours, but you got one or two. We are the body of Christ. While we are different, we all love the Lord. We've all been saved by his grace and mercy. We are the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit guides and directs us. We are the mystical, the manifest body of Christ. And thirdly, we can, we can turn things around if we work together. We're all in the same boat together. We are the body of Christ. We can turn things around if we work together. It's not me versus you. It's not mine and yours. There's the oneness about us. We're all in the same boat together. We are the body of Christ. We can, we can turn things around if we work together. That's John 17. That's Jesus. That's just a portion of it. There's a whole lot more to that, John 17, than what I've shared with you today. Jesus prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for us. Let's remember that. Let's take a moment here now to uh, invite those among us who are seeking a relationship with our Father.